healthcare is one of these things that is, it's essential, right? It's not a premium product. It's not a luxury product. It's just, it's a necessity. So the scale of this is, I say there is no upper limit. You just get better and better. Welcome to the Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Each week, we bring you an interview featuring an entrepreneur or business leader in the Saskatchewan province. We dive into their journey, lessons learned, and views on the outlook of the Saskatchewan business market. This episode is brought to you by 2Web. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At 2Web, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at 2Web.ca. Welcome to today's episode of Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have a very exciting guest, Didi Emokpare, who is the CEO of Outpost Health, which offers healthcare without boundaries by powering a global health delivery network, bridging gaps between patients, providers, and health payments around the world. Didi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Manib. Nice to meet you. Nice to be here. That's great. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here and learning about your startup. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your background and your personal backstory? Thanks. My name is Didi. I was born in Nigeria and moved out of Nigeria when I was in my early 20s. Moved to the Caribbean after med school and ended up teaching medical school in Grenada for two years. Moved to the States to do my postgrad. I did a postgrad residency at Mount Sinai in Chicago. And then I got recruited to Saskatchewan 20 years ago to work here as a family physician. So I've been a, a doctor here for two decades and uh, somewhere in that journey of <laughs> roaming around the country, ended up working um, over at eHealth Saskatchewan because I really love technology, really love digital health. And starting this company a few years ago to address needs of people I had met all along this circuitous journey of mine. So currently we're based out of Regina, Saskatchewan, running Outpost as a global entity that has over 1,200 doctors, you know, scattered around West Africa, South Africa, Europe, Canada, and the U.S. So what made you start Outpost Health? It wasn't one thing exactly. It was a sort of a sequence of needs that I encountered and that people around me encountered. So I'll give you a, a simple story. There was an earthquake and uh, a hurricane in Haiti a couple of years ago. Remember that? It was like this crazy thing that happened. And the charity that was working with a patient of mine, he just happened to blurt out that he was going to Haiti to go offer some care. And then I asked him, I said, well, can we help? How can we support you? And we ended up coming up with this idea where we used a laptop to offer care to kids in Haiti. That singular episode made us realize the impact that digital health could have because we were able to see children thousands of miles away from right here. And so if you're able to do that for people right across the world, there is something there to kind of spark that interest. So that quickly morphed into, well, how can we support more medical missions? How can we support more charities that are trying to offer this so that they can scale their services? Because flying a team of 10 doctors, 15 doctors, 20 nurses over to some place is expensive. And as COVID has proven, also highly unnecessary. There are other things that you could do better with limited funds. So that's sort of the origin. 
And then having personal experiences with family members who were ill and seeing the impact of being able to use technology and digital health to connect them to their providers was eye-opening as well. I mean, it's certainly a need and a gap that you're trying to fulfill. Um, How long ago did you start up Outpost? Formerly about three years ago, probably started about five years prior. Again, it was just a group of friends, volunteers trying to put this together. About two years ago, we decided we were going to actually become a, a company. So the startup phase is always evolutionary. There's no one <laughs> defined moment in time where it actually starts, right? And all these ideas are living in your head half the time. So that's right. With any startup, there's so many different challenges. And what are maybe some of the, the biggest challenges that you faced in getting the business to a level where it's at today? I think the, the scale of the idea, the vision is monstrous and it's very hard for people to wrap their heads around it. That would be the primary one is people go, whoa, you're trying to boil the ocean. You're trying to do too many things. And I go, well, if you just have walked into a doctor's office and the doctor says, hey, today I'm only going to check your face. My stethoscope to check your heart, we don't have it yet. It's coming. I can't check your abdomen because we don't have a bed. It's coming. That's, that's version two of the clinic. How would you feel? You're like, what the hell is this? You literally have to build an end-to-end solution. If you want to do this right, it has to be complete. It has to take into account somebody's going to come in there with anything. It could be a mental health challenge. It could be a physical health challenge. How do you address this? And if you're not able to address this, can you pass them off to someone so that you can actually help them? Because at the end of the day, we're not about giving the care. We're about making sure that people get the care. We're about connecting the patients to the doctors or nurses or diabetic coaches, whoever. I'm a patient, but I get to choose now. I get to choose how I want that care delivered to me. That's the difference. And that's a very important point. Also, you know, if you're basically streamlining the care, you're also opening up doors and making it a lot more accessible. Let's talk about that vision that you have. I mean, what is the long term vision? So, the long term vision really is. Any patient on planet Earth should be able to access care to any provider that they choose. And that care should be a 360 degree view of that patient. They should be able to pivot in any direction and choose whatever they want. I, being a patient in America, should be able to pick a doctor in Bangalore and go, that's the best doctor to address thalassemia. I read about that doctor. She's awesome. I should be able to talk to her. You know, right now, it's virtually impossible to do that in the digital space. That's my vision. And is this uh, also the unique value proposition that you have for your business? You mentioned that it's kind of a new idea, or are there other companies that are also tackling this challenge? So where I think our you know, unique value proposition is, is we're not just connecting the care. We're also enabling how people pay for the care, which is different. So we're overlaying two completely different streams into one platform. We're overlaying how you connect and how you see healthcare providers, but how do you pay? If I'm living in the U.S. and I've got a family member in Nigeria, how do I pay for their their care? And how do you make that easy for me? Because right now I'd have to run into Western Union or blank remittance platform, send money And my cousin in Nigeria is going to go to the bank, get the money, pay for his care. All of that takes time. 
And we know that hey, as an immigrant, when people call you to, to send money for healthcare, it's urgent. It's a big deal. So they don't have nine days and all of that time to be running around trying to get this. It should be instant. So we've been able to meld these two things into one single point of contact for the patient, one single point of contact for the provider, where everything in between says, I'm a patient, I only need one place to go to. That one place is going to guarantee my care, but it's also going to guarantee the care of my loved ones who I look after. And by extension, if I decide I'm going to pay for their care, I actually want to see that they're getting good care. I actually want to know how much I sent, what it's been used for. Not that I need to know your business. Just at a top level, I need to know, you know, mom spent $20 on a chiropractor's appointment. You know, dad spent $50 on medication. I don't need to know what type of medication, but I can see the dispersion of those funds. So currently, we are the only company on the planet that does these two things in the way I just described. So it's a complete end-to-end borderless healthcare delivery embedded with remittances. And that's a very uh, important and sensitive topic too, because obviously, you know, you have a lot of immigrants that come to, you know, North America and they have this challenge where they're trying to send money back home for the care that their extended family needs, especially their aging parents. It's something that, you know, even I'm going through myself. I mean, uh, I'm originally from Pakistan and my mom is in Pakistan and you know, it's something that she needs that level of care, but it's very difficult for me to basically understand and, and essentially send the money. There has to be somebody to go collect the money and then pay for the care. And it's a series of activities that are involved. And it can take literally days when you need to see somebody in a matter of hours, right? So I think that serves a very interesting challenge that most people are facing. And is that your target audience? Is that the audience that you're serving right now and trying to? help at this stage? Yes. So we have, we have several segments, but that's the biggest one. The biggest one is you and I. That's the common thing that we share is we have family members that are not immediately beside us. So it doesn't matter how much you care about them and how much you love them. There is always that sense of dread, that sense of anxiety, because you are not there. So it's not like I'm seeing you right now on video is you have to be a third party tells you, oh, Monib, I'll take mom to see the doctor. And you're always waiting for what's that feedback? What happened? Mom, what did they say? Oh, I don't know what they said. I don't know what the doctor said. Couldn't really hear him clearly. Blah, blah, blah. How about if we put both of you, all these parties together? So how about even when mom goes for a doctor's appointment, you're there virtually? How about that? So that's exactly what we hope to be able to keep building on is it's no longer about money. It's about care. It's really about the care of your loved ones, which is an in, it's intangible. You can't really quantify what that market is. So when you talk about who these segments are, people in the diaspora who have left their original countries, who send money back home, well, guess what? That's $450 billion a year, what you and I do on a regular basis. And neither of us can guarantee where that money actually goes. You have no idea. So if your cousin is in Pakistan, calls you and says, hey, I need money for my you know, hip surgery. Hey, you love your cousin. Do you know if he actually used it for his hip surgery or he used some of it to pay rent? And these are real struggles. These are real questions that we ask ourselves. So when he actually encounters a doctor 
or somebody for his care? Is he getting the best care? Is he getting care that you are actually satisfied with? So there's the two sides to this. It's not just lifting up the patient side. It's actually allowing the providers become more efficient in the way they work. So they can actually give better care because they get paid faster. They have one digital platform where they can now have access to their patient's health records. A doctor who is exhausted and tired can decide on the weekends, I think I want to work a little bit extra, but I don't want to go to the hospital. So I can run a digital clinic from a village in the middle of Kenya and, and earn. And I in Canada or you know, a Nigerian doctor that's living here can decide, well, I'm going to cover a village in Nigeria this weekend because their doctor is sick. So borderless healthcare delivery is exactly what we want to do. And we're just going to achieve it block by block. You know, healthcare is global, right? We see it all the time. We know. What, two weeks ago, Omicron, first case, bang. They shut the doors of Nigerians and South Africans and all of that. Really unfair, but it was too late. And it turns out you've got patients with Omicron already in Europe, and they went to South Africa. So the health of somebody that's 10,000 miles away affects you and I living here right now today. So the old mentality of these borders when it has to do with healthcare is gone. COVID has erased that, but we need to be really focused on making sure that the fact that the borders are erased can lead to better care, can lead to easier care and facilitate care for people that don't have access to it right now. How has COVID impacted the business? It's been interesting. First of all, it shifted how we work. So our team does based, you know, right here in Canada, we used to love hanging out. That went away. So everyone's remote now, which was a little tough because yeah, you like these guys and girls. But the scale was incredible. The growth, because we had been talking about virtual care for a while and people would go, I don't get it. Why would I see my doctor from my phone? Why wouldn't I just go to the hospital? And they're like, no, because did, 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 did. And just like that, it became normal. So in terms of that acceleration, I think it, we're pretty much chasing the technology to make sure that we can scale as the problem scaled. And that had its challenges. We just couldn't build fast enough. And we were leaning on other platforms and other technologies that were being created in real time. And we were kind of the guinea pigs to, <laughs> to test out these, you know, does it work? Does it work? Oh, it doesn't work. Switch. So quite a lot of tech pivots on the inside. But under normal circumstances, that would be okay. But when you're in the middle of a storm, you have to be that much faster. And obviously, a lot of businesses have suffered and also thrived during COVID as well, depending on the business model. So it seems like what you have to offer is a great fit for the circumstances that we're actually going through at this stage through the pandemic. It seems to be a great fit and it all makes sense now, right? In terms of how things are coming together, because people before were, did not understand, but they were also not willing to understand. But now it almost seems that it's essential to move forward with this platform and see the possibilities of what it can deliver. Right. Before it was like pulling teeth, trying to explain this, even when I worked for the government here, it was hard to get people who weren't millennials to understand, I mean, I can order a pizza to the middle of nowhere on a phone, and yet I can't get my 
life-saving medications. I'm a cancer patient and I have to literally leave my home in the middle of chemo to go sit in the emergency room for seven hours. And it was like you were speaking Greek. They were just, oh, that's the way it's been. So it has to stay that way. What's the vision for the next decade in terms of where do you see your outpost going in the next decade? Healthcare is one of these things that is, it's essential, right? It's not a premium product. It's not a luxury product. It's just, it's a necessity. So the scale of this is, I say there is no upper limit. You just get better and better at what I call the, the atomic unit of care needs to scale. So I see us right now, we're on three continents. I see us being on every continent. I see that this essentially becomes, we want to be like electricity. Like we're just there in the back. You don't even know. <laughs> it's just like click. So Outpost powers a whole bunch of little things. But I'll tell you though, what I'm passionate about is that there are billions of people that don't have access to the type of care that I have. So I get a choice. I get to decide, oh, I don't want to go to that hospital. I don't want to sit in that waiting room. But there are people who, for them to talk to a doctor, they either have to take a week off, they have to travel hundreds of kilometers and wait. They suffer. You're pregnant women having a baby where there's no doctor to deliver that baby. You could get transported at 5 a.m. And, you know, in the middle of the night to somewhere that you don't know. It's almost unimaginable what people have to go through with their health care. So to me, that's the focus is lift everybody else up. And there is a huge market to do that, but also help the anxiety of people that are not with their families to make sure that they know that their loved ones are safe. Enable this ecosystem. That's what we came to do is we trust people. We trust providers across the world. They're all heavily regulated. They go to med school. They go to nursing school. They know what they're doing. Give them the tools and trust them. We're not going into other countries to tell them what to do or how to practice. Healthcare is very personal. It's very intimate. It's very cultural. Just give them the tools. And sometimes it's digital tools. Sometimes it's service tools. But it's also showing them a completely different way of, hey, maybe you try this option and see if this can help. But underpinning all that is connection. That's what we want to be able to do is to really become that organization that just connects people. So at this stage, you're obviously growing at a very rapid rate and you're experiencing the growing pains that every startup faces, that every successful startup faces. Can you shed light on some of those pains and how you're actually addressing them? One would be um, the product. So taking on a, a whole lot of customers, taking on a whole lot of providers means the product itself has to change. So you have to take a lot of incoming information and adjust what your product is. Then that also means there's a layer of service that has to grow and has to scale as quickly because you have to be completely receptive to what your customers are saying, right? That's the key thing is you can have the best ideas in the world, but if you're not solving anyone's pain points, if I'm going into the middle of a, a city in Malawi where there are five doctors instead of, you know, a hundred, and I'm talking about HIPAA, they look at me like, what are you talking about? I just need to see a doctor. I don't care where my data is. So me going to them and saying, oh, we got a HIPAA compliant platform is meaningless. What do they need? And so we're very attentive. And that means you're going to have to scale that side of your operations. And then, of course, there is the management. Organizations are people. 
you need to manage people. Growing in a pandemic when everyone is fearful, anxious, stressed is different from growing when times are really rosy. You have to pay attention to your employees, your partners, your coworkers, and make sure that you're connecting on a human level where you understand that, yes, they want to work, but they have, they have their own stresses, right, which they bring in there. And we're all seeing this play out. There's more mental health issues. There's even as crazy as things are, people still feel less connected. People are more isolated. We're all working remotely. So that, you know, Monday morning coming into to have coffee with the team and talking about Sunday night's football game, it doesn't feel the same way anymore. But here's what I say. If you're going to disrupt stuff, then you need to get ready to be disrupted yourself. I tell the team, you don't put on this big cape and go, yeah, we want to be Superman, but oh, I have an owie. No, then grow up. This is a battle. We're not fighting existential plagues and things falling from the sky. You know, wash your hands, wear your mask and do some basic hygiene things, get a vaccine. Those to me are common sense things that we can all cope with. Well, let's not forget what our mission is. Our mission is to help everybody else. And that's, that's by paying attention to ourselves, making sure, that, making sure we're healthy, we're capable of, of looking after ourselves. And now we can, by extension, look after other people. There's a lot of um, new ideas that are spurring up in Saskatchewan, especially in the tech community space. We'd love to hear your thoughts about and also any advice that you have for other entrepreneurs that are looking to initiate their startup. With specific regards to Saskatchewan, I think it's a great place to live. Of course, I chose to live here 20 years ago. <laughs> and of course, every year we all try to get out. And then summer rolls around and we're like, man, I love this place. So by, I have seen the, the growth and it's been just incredible. Lots of talent, like lots of tech talent. It's amazing. My advice would be, be fearless. Just be bold. Like all of these other people with all these great ideas don't just come from somewhere else. They come from right here. You know, somewhere else is really literally you in Saskatoon, <laughs> me in Regina. There is no somewhere else. The ideas start and end with us. So don't dream small, dream big. And I think that there's a growing ecosystem here that supports entrepreneurs as they start these journeys could always be better, right? Everything could always be better. There could always be more funding. There could always be more support for, you know, minority entrepreneurs. The, a lot of people like immigrants come here with a vision because Canada is quite clever at how it recruits immigrants. We, we make sure we take those that are educated, those that have some drive. So how come there is not a better ecosystem to support those people? They're going to be serious sparks and serious they're going to really push this economy forward if you give them the opportunity so in as much as the ecosystem is growing i really think it could grow faster if you could go back in time you've learned so much over the past several years starting your business but if you could go back let's say 10 years what advice would you give to to your younger self i'd say learn more question everything everything that's good so based on your experience and the challenges that you've overcome, in addition to being fearless, what is the one big takeaway that you could give to the other entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast? 
there's a friend of mine who tells me all the time, she's like, just don't die. <laughs> it's real and it works. <laughs> just don't die. And it sounds crazy, right? But it's kind of a game of the last man standing, right? And so you're going to get all the body blows. You're going to get the days where you wake up and you don't think you can. You're going to feel stressed. You'll have these crazy cycles of up and down. What am I doing? Is this, this is too much. And the reality is you can actually survive this. Living proof of that. You can survive all of it, but you can't die. You can't give up and you can't panic. And I think just the ability to stay calm, regardless of what the situation around you is, is a skill that I've had to learn. Maybe being a doctor helped me manage it a little bit better, but just being a human being, it's a natural inclination to panic. But what's that saying is um, today is the tomorrow you were scared of yesterday. And we're here, right? That's true. Well, uh, Didi, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. Where can people find out more about yourself and your startup? Same here. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat. So our website is outpost.health. So that's O-U-T-P-O-S-T dot health. Yeah, you can access us on there, learn more about what we do. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely include uh, a link to the website as well as a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile. Uh, in the, in oh, that's an old picture now. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's an excuse for you to go and update that for sure. So. <laughs> yeah. Now my younger self needs to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, thank you so much, Maneem. That was an awesome conversation. We should do this again sometime. Absolutely. We'll definitely schedule a follow-up podcast here, maybe in the next few months to see where you're at. And in the meantime, I wish you the best of luck and uh, keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And we hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. You can see more information and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at saskentrepreneurs.com. That's S-A-S-K entrepreneurs.com. This episode is brought to you by TwoWeb. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At TwoWeb, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at TwoWeb.ca.